What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Real Ballers Read. We are so excited for this episode today. We brought on someone who we knew from Instagram for a while, and we finally got to talk with him. It is Dante from Goldmouth Book Club. He was so incredible to talk to in this episode. He was coming in live from Atlanta and was just spitting just fire this whole episode. We talked about just all things Black people, Black history, and a book by Richard Wright by the name of Black Boy. It's his memoir. And so without further ado, here is our episode with Dante. First of all, I appreciate y'all for even uh, having me, man. I know it's been a minute trying to get y'all figured out, but I appreciate y'all for having me. Thank y'all for real. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you, yo. Yeah. As far as my journey with books, man, uh, you know, I had, I I grew up real strict. My mom, you know, whatever, you let me watch TV or nothing. So I had to read books growing up. And then going into school, you know, I went to more white schools. So it was a lot of white literature. So I had to really get into black literature myself. Um, I did about around college. It was a Jamaica Kincaid book that really kind of like blew my mind open. You, you feel me? And uh, ever since then, it was just like a constant obsession, low key. Like, damn, we wrote all these books. Dang, like all this stuff my people did. Let me just dive in. I low key glad I didn't get into it till later because I had so much to discover. You know what I'm saying? So much to uh, get caught up on. I'm still discovering stuff. So. I started my my book club, like, you know, while I was discovering it too. It was really cool how many people jumped on, you know what I'm saying? So it was a, it was like a lifeline, like kind of save your mind. I went to a really, really uh, white Republican school and uh, like so Republican that Trump actually came and spoke at the school. Yeah. And uh, just being surrounded by that. And, yeah, it was crazy. And, and like, just the Trayvon stuff was going on and like everybody was just so much racism everywhere. And so we had to really stand 10 toes and kind of like assert our black identity on everybody, you know, and I had written this paper and I, it was a really incendiary, really pro-black incendiary paper. And I did that on purpose. And to write the paper, I had to research and I had to really dig into like and find all these black resources. And, and that really set that fire uh, in my spirit about black literature doing that paper. Mm. What was the paper mm. about? It was a, I was a music major, so it was a black music and its expression, but I started from slavery. Like I started everything. I, I was really incendiary with it. I ended from, I went from slavery all the way to Kanye. And I did a lot of research. Yeah. So I really shook, shook, the, shook the table, you know what I'm saying? So it was, it was that was a, a defining moment for me for the black literature in the show. Oh, that sounds great. I would love to read that too. Um, I still got it, man. I still yeah, got I was about it. to say, no, send it, send it over for real. I, I yeah. promise you, we will read that and get back to you on it. Uh, it's funny too to end with Kanye, you know, talking about new slaves or you know that yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. sound like a choice, you know, like yeah, yeah. But <laughs> quite it's crazy, the this was a while ago before he said any of that. You know oh, what I'm okay. <laughs> so I was he was still cool at that time, right? You know, yeah, so exactly. <laughs> Yo, that's wow. wild. Yeah, no, I'm. I mean, from just in uh, admiring you from afar, I feel like you on social media are just such a powerful voice and a a proud voice, a a strong voice of Black culture. And 
I really, really respect that a lot because I feel like, um, especially as Black men at times will, will want to um, quiet our voice or, or not feel as as proud. And I was curious, like, where did that come from for you? Like, what is the source that you're digging into when you are yourself in, in that way? You talking about like the boldness or like- Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm, I hate to say it, but anger, really. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? A, a constant, perpetual anger that's not uh, hatred, but it's just like a, you know, it's slow, like slow cooker. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think when I saw, cause being in Tulsa, seeing North Tulsa get gentrified and understanding that's where like a black wall street got burned down. And then Terrence Crutcher got shot a couple of miles North of me. And then we was protesting for Trayvon. And then I think when I saw Philando, when what happened to Philando, I was just like, man, look, like, there's no one that can shut me up ever again. Like we taking too much hits. And so it was ever since then that I really just became hmm. as militant as possible because I really do feel like we, we have to really mobilize and really be get, get free. And I think black folk, we've been conditioned to accept gradual progress and we've been conditioned to accept, to really kind of like deprioritize ourselves and deprioritize our own freedom, our own safety. But it's like, dang, the people prioritizes themselves. Like we gotta be first and foremost in our minds. Like we have to, we have to gun for ourselves and our own freedom. So I think my mom, my mom's Haitian. So, you know, Haitians, they got rid of slavery real early. You know, they, they was killing the slave masters and doing that thing. I think that blood for sure runs, runs in me. You know what I'm saying? Just like, we don't play around. Like we're not gonna shuck and job for nobody, you know what I'm saying? So I think I think just my culture, my upbringing, seeing what I saw, saw a lot of racism growing up, you know what I'm saying? A lot of it. So it's just like, at, at some point you just say, we're gonna fight back all the time. So, you know, fighting back intellectually has always been a thing. And that's why I like, I use my platform to do so, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. you know, uplift our women, the black women and uplift our, our, us as a people. And just, I, I feel like, look, man, look, we have a platform. Might as well do something as, as incendiary as possible. I've gotten flagged many times. I've gotten Instagram. What? Yeah, Instagram has taken down stuff, but you know, we keep going. You know? What I'm saying? No, I love that, man. Um, and I think that's so thing too that Richard Wright embodies that anger. And, yeah. you know, I think I, at times though, when I read him, he can feel kind of violent or like overly cold and violent, you know, because it's like, yeah, yeah. Like he he's so, so smart yeah, that it almost seems like the violence is like, almost like serial killer like you know what i'm saying it's yeah, like, he really, he yeah, really yeah. is like that man he really is yeah. like <laughs> right <laughs> right it's like so it's yeah yeah it's like it's like the manifesto type like oh snap like this yeah for real. Like serious about his stuff and like like his hatred is so real and deep yeah you know yeah. yeah i'm glad he was a writer man i'm glad he chose that path for sure <laughs> what i'm saying that's what i'm saying <laughs> Yeah, I think I think when you read, you know, because I'm reading Black Boy, and when you read it, 
you kind of see why he's like that, man. Like he was surrounded by just some crazy stuff, man. Like, you know, he saw everything, you know? So it's like, I can, and it's so cool to see, like, cause I think a lot of times white America tries to streamline what being black is like. And kind of all streamlined us into the MLK kind of path. Like we're peaceful, we're angry, but we know it. But that's not how everybody falls. Like some people are real angry. Some people, you never know. And and that's a, the danger about uh, racism. Like you don't know who you're being racist to and who that you will know, flip a switch and end up causing some catastrophic damage. So it's like Richard Wright, I think what, what, um, Cause I had read, you know, Native Son. It's like, damn, this dude is uh, <laughs> he kind of going crazy with this. And it's like, <laughs> so it's like, you know, but I thought that book was important because not racism gonna hit everybody the same way. Some people yeah. gonna snap. Some people gonna snap, man. And so that's why it's also important to get rid of racism because we need to preserve our people's minds and and our psyches because you never know who get get pushed to the edge and become a whole different person. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So a black boy was, you know, reading that is like, I'm still reading, I'm not done, but it's like seeing his origins and seeing what he went through. It's like, okay, I understand, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's why why did you uh pick up Native Son in the first place and start reading it? Uh I had seen HBO Max had done something. Like, man, I ain't never read this. Let me, I ain't go, I'm not finna watch the HBO Max thing because I don't trust that, but let me go and read the book. And, you know, and, and that, I, that was a late read for me, but I love the book, you know, and I didn't love every aspect of it, but, you know, I really did love to explore a black character who just became completely antisocial. You know, he, his, his, his world and he just hated all people. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very important because I think most black authors try to, have like a triumphant ending or have that, you know, they try to have like this kind of like black person saves the world kind of feel. And I don't think that's realistic. You know, my father, my father growing up, his, his racism, he dealt with that kind of turned him into another person. You know, he didn't overcome that, you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I felt seen by native son because it was like, yeah, that, that, that can happen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I know saying I felt seen by native son is very alarming to people, but, uh, you know, just the rage and how it just had no end. He, his rage had no end, man. Like, it just had no end. So, and then, you know, go, going to Black Boy, you seeing how much of himself was in that character. You know what I'm saying? So, so much. It's yeah. <laughs> literally so much. No, like, it's it's wild because, like, reading Black Boy 2, like, I was kind of getting this, um, you know, granddad from, like, the boot. Bulldog's vibe of him like kind of re re recreating parts of his story though. Cause I'm like, man, how did he remember like so well what was going on yeah, when yeah. he was like <laughs> 10 and 12? And that was yeah. the thing that I was picking up in Native and Native Son too, where I'm like bigger, like it's hard to 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 tell who is the char- character and who is Richard Wright? Because it's like his stream of consciousness writing, his style is just so good and so stylistic and beautiful. But it's just like, right, it's almost like these two these two books now have like blurred. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's all in the same pocket, all in the same flow. Um, no, that's true. Age of six till however old he, he, he gets. Yeah, I haven't finished it either, so. 
Yeah, no, it's true. I think uh, one one of the things that about Black Boy that stuck out to me is how how emotional he is. You know, what I'm saying like as a kid, he was so emotional. Everything was he has such a vivid and extreme response to everything. So when you take that ingredient and then you put it, you you could definitely see how he could fantasize about a murder or fantasize about going on that spree. You could see it because it's like his reaction to everything was so visceral. Every little thing from burning down his 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 mama's house to his his uh, uncle taking him into the middle of the Mississippi River and all that, like he just has visceral. He he never was cool. <laughs> he was just like yeah. everything was so extreme. So he's an interesting character, and he feels a lot. So I thought that was really uh, mm. you know, so. I was just gonna ask uh, if you see yourself as emotional or visceral in that way. I'm always curious, like the ways in which we identify with people who we didn't overlap with in time. Right? We might not be related, but what is it what is it about your like attraction or identification with richard wright uh he does feel he went through a considerably a lot more trauma than i did so yeah. i can't say i don't have the same visceral reactions but i do have a lot of i, I was a child who was angry a lot yeah and at the world not in my home but at the world like seeing this happen like seeing that happen like you know it was always like intense for me so I, I i guess you pointing that out you know you're right like i do have that connection to him it's like always questioning things if you read black boy he questioned everything he asked his mom why 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 you know what i'm saying so for me as a child it was more so like i'm gonna change everything i was very idealistic you know what i'm saying so i still am you know what i'm saying so but i think that's my connection with him for sure nice yeah um one of the things that i thought about when you were talking about Native Son, though, Don Todd is um how like when the book came out in the early 40s, the reason why it went so crazy, sold many copies, was right, because like black men is killing a white woman and in such a crazy way, uh, especially for that time. You know, I, I, I think I, I think of the the fact that like anything that happens in the mind like the body feels as if it was real and that was kind of what happened with that book with like yeah. american culture so yeah. i wanted to ask you like now in 2023 like what do you think would be a similar event that would cause american culture to have that same reaction of black yeah. people doing as far as in, in literature or just in, in real life any yeah i right. think you know the biggest thing is when and i do believe this day is coming soon when we start to fight the cops back i think that's going to have a, a an extreme reaction to america because uh, i think it's going to be a, a time where we're not going to really take this anymore and authority will no longer be authority test and i think the the image of seeing a black person fight back against authority is going to send shockwaves throughout the world you know and i think that day is coming and so i think when I read, what, I ain't gonna lie, like, you know, reading Native Son and watching like him committing that act of violence to her, if you look at it in a symbolic sense, it was so, and I, you know, it was so powerful because it's like, this, this black man had the audacity to write that down 
stick by it, let it get published, and end the forties, bro. Like he could have got licks, he could have got licks for that. Just writing it. Oh, hundred percent. And yeah. so you have two audiences, right? Where just the black audience, it might have been a cathartic experience for them. And then the white audience, which basically Richard Wright confirmed every single fear that they had, right? Because a lot of times during that time they would lie on us, but Richard Wright writes the character that actually does it. You know, so it's like, you know, it's like that was such a bold thing to do, like such a bold, you have to have a lot of guts for that. And I think, you know, pushing back against authority in, in this day and age, I think that will have that same reaction, you know what I'm saying? Even if it's, even if it's in literature, like, okay, so I don't know if you've seen that movie of American Skin or something like that. The dude who, who did Birth of a Nation. Uh, oh, really? He made that movie where he, he he takes a bunch of cops and holds them at gunpoint. Oh, really? Not uh, Nate Parker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, oh, wow. He, wow. Yeah, he holds a bunch of cops at gunpoint um, and, like, runs a, a trial. And the way that the public reacted to that movie, basically kind of, like, skirting it to the side, kind of shutting it down, uh, you can already tell that that's that's that sore spot for people with you know black folk rebelling against the the powers that are above us. You know what I'm saying? So I do think that's the I do think that's the the thing that will have that same effect. Yeah, and you know the first thought when you brought that up too that I thought of was uh, Queen and Slim. I, I don't know if you saw that, but like, and I feel like that. It kind of muted it though too because they end up dying at the end. It wasn't really yeah, like, it was a real cathartic triumphant thing, right? Because it's like they kill the cops at the start, but then they live in fear for the rest of the film. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And then we feel terrible because of how it ends. You know, yeah. so I was like, that wasn't yeah. really it. Yeah. Same yeah. with the Nate Parker movie. He ends up right. letting them go and they get killed. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like I think everybody's scared to go that extra mile and really show us triumphing over. Over over our press, you know what I'm saying? Man, but oh man, but this is where the uh spook who sat by the door come, comes yeah. in. Honestly, because they they have like an all-out war. Yeah. You know, and in <laughs> like seeing that film and reading that that book, uh, I feel like those two were so ahead of its time. But that film was silenced too, you know. It was literally yeah. pulled out the theaters because they're just like, oh no, we we can't have this. Right. So you, you see what they, you know what I'm saying? You see that when you start to inch closer to that, that's what they rebel against. And you already know that's, that's going to have that reaction. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. And I think, I, I think of... that could be applied to any type of situation where there's an oppressed and an oppressor, right? So whenever you speak up against whoever has the authority, you cause this visceral reaction. Whenever you stand up for black women, right? All of a sudden, here comes all the people at the woodworks like, oh, well, these women ain't nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you get that reaction anytime you stand for the underdog, every single time. So I think that's this is exactly what we need to be doing, always pushing that envelope. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, okay. How would you say that Goldmouth Book Club is pushing the envelope? Like, what was your intention there? Like, how have you seen people responding to it? Um, you know, as you have gone from LA to Atlanta, right? Like how is the club evolving as well? Like, I just wanted to like open that yeah. up first, first. <laughs> oh, please show. Uh, so the first question was my intention with Goldmouth. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up, uh, in Florida. So, you know, black folk, 
we have like a certain culture in Florida. All of us are kind of good. You know, all of us kind of like got like a more hood kind of a demeanor. And growing up, it was like, if you wanted to be seen as intelligent, you had to be like, kind of like tuck your shirt in, speak this way, speak that way. And so for me, Goldmouth Book Club was taking like the hood elements, the street elements and merging it with intellectualism and saying like, you don't have to code switch in order to be intelligent. You can still be yourself, still be on your side of the tracks and keep that while you gain intelligence, while you read, while you get well read. And so that was my intention. Um, I feel like it's grown so quickly, man. Like, uh, and, and, and people have gravitated towards it. Cause I feel like that's a message that people have needed. You know, people are tired of cold switching. People are tired of having to not be themselves and black folk. I think we're really tired of a lot of things, you know what I'm saying? So to see how many people have gravitated towards the the platform and now we're branching into other avenues besides just books. It's, it's crazy. And, and LA had a certain response to it, but being back in the South is a whole nother, like whole nother response. Like everybody, like I, I, the, the thing that's changed more is now people are buying books in person. Now I'm popping up on people in person and people are, you know, people are really responding really well to what we're doing. So. Yeah, man, it's it's been a beautiful thing. I, I know I have a lot of I have a lot of visions for it. But we're gonna keep going. I want to buy an actual building pretty soon and keep it going. So yeah, I got a lot of stuff planned for Gold Mouth for sure, for sure. Let's go. Okay, and and so uh, you know I have a I have a friend who like found you separate to us, and he, there was one time where he was trying to put me onto you, like oh like you gotta check out Gold Mouth Book Club. It's like absolute favorite, and something that he like really appreciated is just how um like clear you were in saying that the gold mouth book club was for black people only yeah Uh, and so that's like another aspect of the question right which is just like you had a really clear intention for it being like niggas only and it was like you and you stand by that you've had messages you you've had like post (laughs) announcements like you know psa like if you're you're not black get off my page you know what i'm saying so like so 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 what does like solidarity look like for you um like among black folks like and what is that decision that you made to stand by black folks as opposed to whatever kind of interaction there is with other people yeah so just understanding the nature of psychology and race and like, you know, black folk, we're always uh, expected to include everyone else in our spaces, right? Uh, I, I went to an event one time, it was, it was called Building Black Power. And I go there and it's just, it's white people. And, and this is like, you know, I don't think most black folk have the courage to say, this is, we need something for us to heal us and to, and to, and to be a safe space for us. So with Goldmouth, I was like, hey, look, man, look, it it just, we deserve a safe space. Like, you know, I know the Latin, there's a lot of Latin communities, Asian communities, you know, that have safe spaces for them. Nothing wrong with that. We, we are another community. We deserve safe spaces as well. But you would not understand how many folk I have to fight off, who I say Black folk only, in the bio, all this pro-black stuff and people still think they're, they, they have an entitlement to it. And so it's like, I think that's been the challenge 
because I, I do believe white people do have an entitlement to black spaces. It's kind of like a, in a surveillance way almost. It's, it's kind of like, it's like, I have to make sure you ain't getting too radical. I have to make sure you ain't getting too angry in here. And it's like, I want to make sure it's clear like this is, this is for us to, to energize us. And it's like, we also ignore how much diversity is in our own community, you know? There's no two black folks alike. We all have different dreams, different desires, different want, uh, wants, thoughts, fears. And we never really get the space to explore that, like how many of us are really different. And so Gold Mount Book Club being just all niggas is just like, you know how many black folk, different black folk are in my DMs and different black, right? It's crazy, man. Like I have whole texts. I have black folk part of the LGBTQ community. I have black women. I have uh, black nurses. I have black nerds. I have, I have, you know what I'm saying? It's really, it's really beautiful, man. I have street niggas in there. Like it's, it's everybody. So it's like, it's important that we solidarity looks like not uni being uniform, but more so being together because we shouldn't all be the same. It's okay to be a black nerd, black anime nerd, black beast, like that, like, Black businessman, black street dude, like, hmm. you know, but if we can all find a common juncture, that's what solidarity looks like. But too many, too many black folk think solidarity looks like us all thinking and talking the same. You know, we all Malcolm X's or we all, you know what I'm saying? It just, it's not realistic. You know what I'm saying? So it, being able to grab everybody, I feel like that's real solidarity, you know? So that's, it's been a challenge though, for sure, but it's, it's definitely fun. <laughs> hmm. Mm, no, thank you for that. And so then the, I guess like the, the final part of my set was um, that for, for me in particular, you really planted that seed of reading older books. I think like so much of where I was at um, was reading books that had like come out in the last like, you know, year or the last like five years or so. Uh, but once I started seeing you like posting covers, of these first edition books from like the seventies, I was like, wait, there's something different here. And then once I started feeling them in person, cause I, I would never get, you know, I was never able to buy one of the books that you were like selling cause they'd be like sold out so quick. But once I started getting them like for myself, like now that's all I want is like books that are like way older like that. So hey, I, I, I want to ask about your intention there too, right? Like, what was it about being like, yo, this is about how we connect with these books that are like, you know, not always a part of the conversation immediately when it comes to books, you know, it's like, it's something that you might find in your like aunties or uncles, like a yeah. uh, little yeah. bookcase. Um, but yeah, can you, can you just talk more about like, you know, your, your choice to have books. books that were like older? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I'm a nostalgic person. First of all, mm. you know, I, I don't, I feel like I was born in the wrong era. But uh, <laughs> more than that, I feel like there's been a deliberate push to separate black young people from uh, generations prior. Just like there's been a deliberate push to separate black folk as a whole from Africa and, and et cetera, et cetera. And I think we have to be, you know, deliberate in our connection to our past, to our ancestors, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think reading books from the old times which is not really that old if you think about it, you know what I'm saying? And you realize you read a book like Spook sat by the door and it's like, this is the same stuff that's going on now. And so it, it provides a, a strength in my opinion. And I, the oldest book I have is from 1899. And so mm -hmm. it, like for real, like physically, 
from 1899. I, I, holding that book, knowing that a black man wrote this in 1890 or earlier and it published in 1899, knowing the black hands that held this book, that's a sacred experience, man. And so, you know, a lot of times we, we are not really uh, connected to who came before us. And so you, you look at certain ways we can be in communion with the, the, the generations before us. I feel like books is like that, you know, I'm a, I, for me, I can buy the same book and have 14 different covers and I'm just like in a candy store, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like just understanding the intention that went into the book, holding that and, and connecting to older forms of thought and realizing, man, this junk ain't that old. We've been going through this, it's the same stuff, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of times, a lot of arrogance in our generation, like we the greatest. So it's like, man, these folks done been did what we been doing, you know what I'm saying? So. That was just my intention, just like making sure we connect with the past, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so glad that came across, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, yeah, no, no, you made a uh a, a real uh uh obsession for me, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I, I think part of it too is like when you feel that and when you know that and yearn for more of it, like there's there's a real hunger for for older books and to uh sometimes I'll be finding them like in places where i'm like yo like this book is not being taken care of here <laughs> I, have, I have a home <laughs> i have a warm place where this can be taken care of where this will be loved you know what i'm saying where it'll be read it'll be shared like i think that's part of it too is just that there are so many books like out here but they're not in circulation you know like they're not in like active circulation in terms of us talking about them sharing them like dusting them off the shelves all that exactly i, I found this book the other day it was actually by Richard Wright called Savage Holiday. Uh, wow. Y'all heard about that one? No. Never uh, heard it. Bruh, it's like this It's like this random book that he wrote. It's like not that many copies out. Uh, it's about like a serial killer book, man. Like we were talking about. I'm like, this dude is on the yeah. for real. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> I'm like, man, it, it was such a old cover. And you could tell that hey, there wasn't much in, in circulation. So it's like, when you find a gem like that, man, it's like, well, it's really yeah. beautiful. Oh, yeah. I've never even heard of this title. That's all I'm saying. Man. I yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and there's a reason. There's a reason why, probably. No, but like, <laughs> man, bro, even <laughs> even in the way you broke down, you know, the importance of the diversity of thought, that's that to, to me is like the embodiment of what leadership is supposed to mean is someone who allows for the expression of many thoughts and ideas. And I feel like it's also part of the humbling that happens when you read a lot of books from the past, because when you see the diversity of black thought across centuries time, you're like, Oh wait, none of these dudes even really agreed. Yeah. How did how were they even able to get us as far as we've gotten now though, despite all you know exactly. and, and and like right, I feel that's just such a empowering idea that we need to allow ourselves that same grace now in our community and accept that we're not all going to agree. But how can we all still be on the same page spiritually where our energy co-bind are like 
the sharpest spear possible. Exactly. Like, but that's crazy. It's, it's, it's important. And, and if you look at what's been happening, it's been a deliberate uh, push to keep us separated, right? So I was part of this coalition called uh, Stop LAPD Spying. And we studied uh, the Los Angeles Police Department's basically counterinsurgency and how they def- they actually like infiltrate the community and and try to like, you know, break it up. And so when you look at now, every every day on Twitter is another argument between black men and black women or LGBTQ communities getting hated on or whatever. Like it's always something, right? And it's like that that's by design. You know, that's it's not just happening, it's by design. And so um it, it needs to be by design that we come together on a common ground, you know what I'm saying, and not try to uniform our thinking, but more so try to uniform our spirits, like you said. Like it's more so like that. Cause we ain't all gonna think the same. We all got different upbringings and everything, but to be to be of one spirit is different, you know what I'm saying? So I think that's very important. Mm. Yeah, and thanks. I mean, thanks for even sharing that example, because it really does name how dangerous the black community is to like the powers that be and the setup of society. Like, like cause I, no, because you know, it's it's great to talk about community is like you know, beautiful and powerful in its own right, but it's also dangerous as fuck. Like, yeah. like <laughs> it's so dangerous. And, and people don't understand, like I mean, you think about whenever some black folk get unified, it will be ten of them. And it's like the government like get these niggas out of here, man. <laughs> you know, yeah, the, I mean so, laws around loitering, you know. Because yeah. you don't want you don't want a, a crew of black folks doing anything together, like and so outside and, of the store. Exactly. And so that's the thing. Even with uh, I think activist groups, whenever I was pushing for a black only group, you have a lot of people like, oh no, well you being exclusive or you you hating on other. I'm like, it's crazy how it's low key like y'all y'all don't want us to get together. And even though you you know you claim you care about black lives, I can see that y'all really don't because. It, you want to be in charge. If not, when black folk is in charge of our own lives, you get upset. You know what I'm saying? And, right. and so that's it goes back to what we saying. What 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 provokes that reaction? Right? What you were saying, Miles, is like, what what gets that reaction? I think black folk sticking together gets that reaction a lot. Like whenever you see black folk committed to black people only, you're gonna get a lot of pushback. And that's how you know you're going the right way, you know what I'm saying? Mm. No, yeah, no, I feel that hard. And I, I feel like because, and this is not to make us seem spiritually different. And, and this is a funny thing that even Richard Wright, I think uh, when he was a, a youth, you know, he was kind of down playing, playing this. So I'm going to do it in the opposite way. I feel like, yeah, as a original human you know we do have uh spirituality to us that i think especially white folks in america they need to pull and ascribe their meaning in life from us you know you know what i'm saying but it's like but it's it's like kind of the magnetism and the of like what we represent you know spiritually that that why like so many I think others, right, they need their lives meaning to be based on us and, yep. and and ours and what we mean. But on that on that point, you know, and this is 
this, you know, could could be a can of worms. It's totally fine if you don't want to <laughs> answer. But when I was reading this, the big question that I had or surprise that I had was about Richard Wright's uh, faith. Because, you know, at the time where he's growing up, Black people are very Christian and he's a total atheist. And I'm like, hold, like, wow, like, it's crazy how prideful he was even in that, in that fact then and was totally going against the grain. And this is a spot, though, where, you know, even in going through my own faith journey and very, have thought a lot about what Christianity specifically means for Black folks, because there are many on the side of, you know, it being an opiate and it being a thing that has just nullified a lot of our power. And then on the other side, it is like, without it though, or without any religion in general, there's like a nihilism that that comes in. And I still very much even feel that now about our generation. And I feel like there are ways in which religion or faith can can bind us, right? Yeah. But what are yeah? What are your thoughts on that piece of our diversity? Yeah, man. Look, <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, bro. I'm gonna be keep it real. Like, I grew up Christian, you know, and and I understand that. I think most Black people are comfortable with it the most, right? And I think that a lot of us have a hard time thinking for ourselves. And connecting to God for ourselves in a way that hasn't been prescribed for us. Um, I think we have been taught that our ways are witchcraft and that the white man's way is holy. Um, and I think that there becomes this constant process of self-mutilation the more and more you in, embrace Christianity. And I think... I think if just any any religion that is not stemming from us as a people, I think we have to twist and contort ourselves in order to fit it right. I'm not saying that Christianity is bad. I'm not saying that Islam is bad. All these are beautiful things, but it's just like if it don't come from our cultural, spiritual heritage, then there will be a part of us that is dead in pursuing it. Uh, I think that you have to be careful when someone says this is the way. And, and, and this is the only way. And when someone beats over your head, like one of the things that stuck out to me growing up was how the OG Christians always could, they would speak in Bible verses, right? <laughs> and, and it's like, I used to admire that because like as a Christian, you taught that. And I was like, it's kind of like you've been, it's like you, your brain has been manipulated into just thinking in this way. Because there's other stuff out there. And so in my own journey, I could never, personally, I could never forsake God. Um, but as far as now understanding that, okay, the, the, the Muslim faith, that's the, the Arabic religion and their connection to God, right? That's a beautiful thing. The, the, the Jewish faith, that's the, the Hebrew culture and they're connected to God. You know, you have, you know, you have Buddhism. So all these other cultures have their personal connection to God and look how fulfilled they are. But we are following someone else's or we're following all the other stuff. And it's like, I think God is merciful. So he's going to bless 
people regardless, right? Like, yeah, we mean well, so he won't bless us. But if you can have the courage to leave what you was taught and try to grasp for what your ancestors have in connection to God, I feel like you live a more rich life. And that's the process I'm in now. It's like unlearning my Christianity, not forsaking God, but learning my ancestral stuff. You know, it's the, the things that they call witchcraft, you know, seeing, it, you know, what is it really? You know what I'm saying? And, and what are, what, where are we? Because everybody deserves a connection to God, right? Every culture. Why aren't we in that conversation? You know what I'm saying? So that's my, my two cents mm. on it. I just, I pursue it. And it's been a beautiful journey of just, like the other day I started, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, I started pouring libations, you know, which is a, an, an ancestral thing. And it's like, I felt nourished because of it. You know what I'm saying? Like just mm. discovering ourselves. You have to understand that religion is the principal way we are controlled. You know what I'm saying? So mm. I'm not saying Christianity is bad. I, I personally believe in the African roots of Christianity because mm. you look at Moses, he was the African and the Ten Commandments mirror the, the, the Egyptian laws, right? Yeah. He was taught by Egyptians. He's an Egyptian. You know, you look at the beginning where Moses was about to get killed by God. It's a story uh, in, the, in the Old Testament. And his wife, who was black, Zipporah, who was African, saved him from getting killed by God. And then you go all the way down to where Jesus is about to get, you know, crucified. He can't even carry his cross. So they got Simon of Cyrene, who was a black man, to carry the cross for him. So we are in that. We are in the Bible. So it's not like we don't have no stock in it. So I'm not saying that anybody has to forsake it. But always, you know, prioritize your people's route to God instead of just accepting something else. That's all I say, you know. No, I mean, even in hearing what, what you shared there, that was beautiful you know, you kind of realize that religion has been this kind of millennia long game of telephone yeah. with telephone. Hum humans. Where it's just like, oh yeah, this is our myth. And then it's like, oh, oh cool. We'll write that down too. It's like, yeah, oh, exactly. okay, cool. You know, and we, we've done that over just thousands of years time, but at its core, like, right, people have try to de-platform or pedestalize theirs by yeah. calling the previous version or whatever they heard, you know, heathenism or witchcraft. But it, yeah. it really, in a sense, is all the same story. All the same. So, right. Exactly. You look at like in the Bible or, you know, there's rituals, right? There's cleansing rituals, purifying. I mean, that's, you feel what I'm saying? It's all the right. same. Like we have this, in, and I'm learning, you know, in the Hoodoo culture, there's rituals too. It's like, so who's to say that those are okay and all that? You know what I'm saying? So it's just, right. I think Black folk need more courage to explore our own spirituality. I think once we get that, we're going to be a problem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What, mm -hmm. What's so funny about religion too is just how we can say that they're separate, but then very much be like embodying them at once. Um, yeah. Because like, you know, nobody does Christianity like a black church, you know, and like, and it's because it's African as fuck. It's like, yeah, exactly. it's everywhere. You know what I mean? Like you could be reciting Bible verses and like speaking in tongues and, you know, get mounted or like, you know, yeah. be doing flips and everything. Like, tell me that's not, tell me that's, that's not what we've been doing. Yeah. We've been doing this whole time, you know? Exactly. Um, and so that's, that's, uh, that's a really funny thing. And two, it's, it's even, uh, 
a uh, just misunderstanding of like how Christianity uh, works, really, because like there's no way that it that it could expand as much as it did around the world without swallowing like pieces of different traditions. Um, yeah. You know, like Palm Sunday. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking about in particular, just because like, you know, I went to one of those ceremonies. I was like, wait, like this is pagan as shit. I was like, I was like, you know what I'm saying? I was like, I was like, who's to say or, or Christmas or anything? Like, I was like, who's yeah. to say that y'all weren't just picking these up from some pagans in Europe uh exactly. to make it more palatable? Like, that's certainly the that's certainly the case uh in the black diaspora too. Like, um I mm. yeah, I think that that uh religions and spiritualities are just a lot more fluid like in our bodies than we even like say that they are. I, I agree. And you think mm -hmm. about the the arrogance it takes to tell black folk y'all stuff is pagan, but then you look at Christianity and the rituals and all these things is pagan. So it's yeah. like, so who's to say we can't mold it with our own stuff or like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's funny how that works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, black, right. black church is African as hell, man. You've been in like, <laughs> I used to look, I used to go there be in church from noon to 6 p.m., man. Exactly. <laughs> no joke, bro. So what I'm saying, I, I feel like even the Bible, though, too, I'm I'm on a journey now to to read it all for the first time, but like there's too much of an urge to um pick and choose, you know what parts of it to highlight or what parts of it you think are the Bible, you know, yeah. it's like, but when you look at that book in its totality, it's, it's so much and so much at once that even, you know, Western Christianity like has not even fully grappled with. Um, right. Yeah. So man, powerful stuff. Um, and it's not even a book. Mm -hmm. Realize, you know, it's a series of books written by yeah. several people over several thousand years. So it's just like, if you can come at it with that understanding, then it becomes a little bit less controlling because it's like, these are just all these people's perspective on God, right? But when you come at it mm -hmm. as a book, which I feel like that's a Western concept, this is a book, right? Beat you over the head with it, right? Memorize this. That's, that's white supremacy when you think about it, like. Like, mm. why do I have to memorize this? Why do I have to see this all as one unit? No, it's not one unit. It's, a, it's an anthology, right? So some of these things are more folklore. Some of these things are, are accounts. Some of these things are poetry. Like, see it that way. And then when you see it that way, well, where's Black folks' Bible? Well, Richard Wright should be in our Bible and Malcolm X and Asada. And like, because it's all poetry, different accounts of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, Create your own Bible in in its own in, in its in a sense, you know what I'm saying? Like once you understand what the Bible really is. So yeah, man, it is it's important, man, to think critically for sure. Bro. Create your own Bible. You I no, know. Did you know the only other person who I've heard say that is Dr. Daniel Black? And he didn't say it in the exact way that you said it, but he's on a secret journey now of rewriting that book um and he was raised deeply in, in the church but you definitely um should check out his books and even reach out to him he's uh a mind blowing but he is in atlanta but yeah. that he uh dr daniel black he's okay. really yeah. taught yeah. at clark uh, atlanta for 30 plus years and like 
yeah literally what you'll, you just said yeah y'all y'all yeah yeah you'll you'll love his books he he was on our podcast too you'll love the episode like you gotta oh, you man, gotta, gotta hit him man. up man yeah <laughs> you gotta oh wait dang wait i'm really seeing this overlap now it's like crazy it's crazy because, yeah it's not <laughs> yeah so i wanted to um talk a little bit about music though because i know this is a big part of your life i, I was an artist um rapper and poet and i think this is another uh beautiful thing that has resonated uh, with me about your page is you always talk about this overlap of music and books being just intertwined and and, and so i'd love for for you to talk about you know where the love of those two things overlaps for you and what your journey with music has, has been too yeah man I, I got into music earlier than books uh or maybe I, I started playing piano at six years old. Um, and then I always seen things kind of like this, like books to me is just like printed music in a way, because the, the words jump out. I have a very vivid imagination. So when I read, I see it, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like, when you look at also, like I tried to do an album with each book of the month and like, kind of like, um, I look at albums like heritage passed down, just like books are, you know what I'm saying? So to me, that's the interlapping. I, I don't read in silence all the time. I read with jazz on. So, you know, I, I kind of wanted to bring that to the people and make reading a little bit more enjoyable because, you know, like a lot of black folk, we got a lot of we got jobs, we got this and that and going, you know what I'm saying? So it's like if you can kick on your favorite little album or album of the month with the book. I feel like it, it just makes it a little bit more enjoyable because a lot of black folk, the first time we got introduced to reading is like in a more uh, non-enjoyable way, like standing up in front of the class or getting embarrassed or something like that. And so I'm trying to I'm trying to undo that trauma with my people right by like associating it with something more positive. You know what I'm saying? So posting the way I post, like even some of the uh, the aesthetics, you know what I'm saying? Just cool, cool shit. You feel me? And then the music. I'm just trying to make reading, you know, more, way less, not traumatic at all for, for folk, you know what I'm saying? So, and then my my personal music is why I try to spit my truth, you know what I'm saying? Or or even just have fun. But uh, as far as the, the page, you know, I try to make it fun for people, you know what I'm saying? It's important to me that, you know, we, uh, that reading is in, introduced to people in a more enjoyable way, you know? No, 100%. Yeah, uh, it, it very, very much has that. Um, your page very much has that crate digging aesthetic and archive. Like it's like a record store and a museum <laughs> gallery. And, you yeah, know, yeah. it just just has a of just all black culture. So, yeah, um, incredible. Yeah. And what do you see now as the land, the landscape of black music and, you know, popular hip-hop or um rb or just how genres you know ray racialized in uh general so what do i think about the current musical landscape or yeah that was a, that was a scrambled egg of a question it, more like uh yeah anything anything yeah is, so yeah. I'm, I'm a little disappointed uh because I, i've seen black culture get gentrified obviously and now it's at a high end point where like now the rap is you know a lot of white folk white fans and it's like it's the 
it's like we we basically just getting taken from our roots, right? And so even R and B, like R and B used to make a nigga want to fall in love, bro. Now it's like, it, like you know, it's toxic as hell. You feel me? Like that's that's, <laughs> that's not black music, bro. You feel me? Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's weird. And I think, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist in this sense, but as far as understanding how you know the powers that be do want um, dissension in our community is like. I do believe that there's a, a push to promote a, a damaging image, you know what I'm saying? And so it's not just the violence. It's, like, it's not, yeah, it's not just the violence. It's like how there's no real love songs no more. You feel me? Like, mm. it's like when you, when you can't have black love, like what do you have? When, when mm. black men and women ain't falling in love, like what do you have? Like R&B nowadays is toxic as hell, bro. Like I ain't, right. I, I ain't putting this on. I'm trying to get with a woman. I ain't putting this on. I'm about to go back in the old days and, Put some D'Angelo on, or put some this mm-hmm. and that on, like, and then, and you see what happens to those artists. Either they get locked in record deals, or they get, you know, what I'm saying it's just weird how that happens. So it's like now you also hip hop, my favorite genre. You know, it's like I was born in the hip hop generation, right? So it's like it used to be either protest music or even just let's come up and get rich and and forget our problems. Now it's mm-hmm. just like, what is it now? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it don't always have to be political, but it does have to inspire at some point. So it's right. like, now it's like, bro, the hip hop has become a minstrel show in my opinion, where we just, we act as outlandish as possible so that we can get the most money. And it's like, mm-hmm. what what are you teaching the youth? Now I'm a teacher, I'm a seven year teacher. I know what I'm teaching the youth, right? I see it every day when my kids like y'all little niggas ain't on nothing right now, bro. Like y'all thinking in the worst way possible. And I can't say it's just the music, but I do think the music reinforces it. Right. So it's like, and then, you know, the disrespect of the black woman and it's just, it's a lot, man. So I feel like the health has left the music, you know what I'm saying? And I always know there's going to be, there's going to be ratchet shit always, but it's like, it used to be like 360, right? And like, yes. there was, there was the Yin Yang twins, but then there was Erica Badu as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right now. And it was all played on the radio and celebrated in the same way. You know, it's like <laughs> that, hearing, right. Hearing those two things back to back, you're like, oh, I see how I can appreciate both of these things. You know what I'm saying? But now it's just, yeah. You 100% right. Totally right. right. 106 and Park had all of it, as opposed to now. It's just one like, soul. Yep. Yeah, it's like now it's just only one image is getting pushed. And so it's like, you have to question that. You always have to question that. Like, what's happening to the culture? Mm. And so, yeah, man. But it's important that, it's important that, I, I think that's my goal with music is to kind of take what I do with gold mouth and put it in the music, right? So that's the other side, right? So we'll see how that goes, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really fun, deep though. You got me got me all worked up because now I'm like I want to talk about this more. I feel like there's so many, there's so many layers to this because for one, the like streaming platforms and headphones I think have gone a long way to disrupting like black music and just music in general, right? But like when I think about music, music is meant to be played out loud. It is meant to be played in groups. It is meant to be danced to, like. You know, cooked to like you said what, and held right. Oh yeah, physically held. Yeah, exactly. Physically held, like and touched and like interacted with. Like, you know, I think uh, 
uh, those those like booklets and CDs were like some of the first books where I was like, you know, and reading them and loved reading them. You know what I'm saying? And then like, exactly. and, and, uh, and I just unlocked that recently that like, that is like literature when like on vinyl as well. Right. Whenever you got the liner notes, the lyrics, like that's all a part of like the experience of music that you don't get when everything is just like on the phone. Um, and the same way that books like physical books signal, this is a different thing like a, a physical cd a physical record like signal this is a different thing like i think even the phone being the, the that one medium of like how we get music or like the headphones also does like screw with that a lot but you did remind me as well of uh bell hooks because she like on her take on hip-hop was like this is just like you know a safari for white folks uh in particular like you know teen white boys who are using this music to like feel cool or feel whatever yeah, they yeah. want like get a tour of of like blackness or this island and then they do that on their way to moving on to you know wherever wherever they go um as like white folks but when she first said that it was such a interesting flip of perspective because i've only ever thought like oh like this is this is a black person who's like making this music therefore like because i identify as black like i relate to them in some way but then the way that she would be like oh this is actually like not about you at all or it's not it's not even about like black listeners at all um but like about white listeners was really interesting because then you know because then then that's the whole question of audience right like so much of like books and music that was like written by black folks can sometimes be like oh like it's not if it doesn't sell to white folks like it doesn't matter at all you know um so even the politics around like how you are assessing like who it's for who's willing to pay for it who's gonna who's gonna boost concert sales like there's yeah. just, there's just so many dynamics so around, yeah bro like <laughs> you gotta think conscious rap nowadays yeah. it's not really conscious it's low-key just explaining black pain to white people mm -hmm. conscious rap should be uplifting us but I already know we get shot. Why are you telling me in this song? I already know we get we in jail. Why are you telling me this song? So where's the music that actually speaks to black people? It don't speak to black people. It speaks about black people to white people, like you were saying, mm -hmm. right? We we just we you want to hear some conscious music and just explains our experience to a person that doesn't know. Yeah. That's not black music. Right. Right. And that's why that circles me back to um uh, when we were talking about those those triggering events of today, because I think there's definitely one that would really rattle a lot of white folks, which is like the story of, you know, you you listening to all the albums, like reading all the books about explaining blackness to white folks. And then you still not getting like black folks like or a black person in particular still doesn't fuck with you. I think that's terrifying. That's terrifying. You know, like there, there's a lot of there's white folks, you know, who, who, you know, well intentioned are trying to like be woke or be in the good graces of of black folks. I think that that's like a ironic part of whiteness is that they do like they want to like have their feelings. They want to have their like their comforts, which includes being in black folks, good graces. Yeah. <laughs> and that's also what makes like that's also what makes like four niggas only so uncomfortable right but it does. but i think i think that i think there's a a more subtle horror story there too <laughs> like, it really is man because it's like <laughs> we are their salvation if you think about it you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, if we don't say they're okay 
then they're not. You know what I'm saying? And, and in our presence, they stand condemned because of their ancestors, because of their actions, right? And so it's like the terror that grips a lot of them when you're not when they, when you when you're not nice or you you don't meet them at that level. They just they, the panic that sets in. You know, it's just kind of hilarious. But uh, I think we have a right. <laughs> we have a right. You know, to we have a right to not fuck with them, man. Like we really do. Like, and I think a lot of black folk don't understand that. Like we we are allowed to not like them, and it's like yeah. that's that's an incendiary statement because our ancestors were, would get lynched if they didn't smile walking down the street to a white person, right? And that cult that that concept has perpetuated to this day where we are expected to include them in our revolution, in our happiness, in the promised land. It's like, bro, nah, <laughs> like. Niggas only, bro. Like, wow. What are you talking about, bro? It's like, come on. So, you know, it takes a level of boldness, man. It takes a level of boldness. No, that's honestly one of the big parts of uh, Black Boy 2 that Richard, Richard Wright, again, I, I can't tell if he's just telling his story in the best possible light, but it is clear just from, he, is, he was a strange character for that time, but he didn't want to do any of that. He was from Mississippi, but never wanted to treat white folks in that way and yeah. smile and, you know, get off the sidewalk and right. It almost got him in a lot of trouble yeah. growing up to the point where he had to leave. But, um, Tony Morrison too, man. Tony don't give a fuck at all about no white folk, man. Nah, yo. <laughs> she do <laughs> not like, care. That, that interview of hers with the white woman, <laughs> yeah, where she man. like asked her a question or something. And she was like, you don't even understand <laughs> the depths of how racist you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's one of the crazy interviews of like, it, it's wild how Tony can even, being so much smarter than someone else, but like still interact with them as a human yeah. when they aren't, you know, but it like literally like yeah. the brilliance drop off in that interview. It's yeah. like crazy, bro. It's like you know, wow, like it's really crazy. You know, you know one thing she said to uh that really like fucked me up my mental, like, because I had read Invisible Man, right? And I love that book, right? And in in the pieces that I am, her her documentary, she says, Yeah, I read the book. And she's like, Invisible, invisible to who? She's like, I'm not invisible to myself. I'm not invisible to my people. Like, why do I center white folk? And if they don't see me, why, why do I why do I care? And I was like, I know it's so simple, but at, at that, I was like, damn, it's true. Like we out here crying over not being at their table when niggas could just build our own table and go this way and put a value in that. Even the Grammys, right? We cry every every year. Like uh, it's like, bro. At some point, you have to have self respect and just create your own thing. But we don't want to do that. We. Black folk, we lazy as hell, man. We want everyone else to give us the value. We don't have we don't have the the strength or the 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 energy to give ourselves that value because if we made our own show and just put value in it, we take the culture with us, right? Mm. We too lazy, man. We we want our slave master to acknowledge us as human. That's what we want. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we see that in every concept. We see that in every concept. So. Mm. No, yeah. <laughs> oh. no, no, I was just laughing thinking about uh Paul Mooney, who I think is like 
honestly one of the greatest race philosophers. Um, <laughs> so funny, but he just has this bit where you know he talks as like a modern uncle Tom. He's like, "Oh, Massa Bush, Massa Bush." <laughs> Him and Dick Gregory, bro. Yeah, exactly, bro. Just like the the old, the old, the old heads that are just the 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 kind that I that I want to be too. You know? Yeah, bro. No, no. I'm already I'm already halfway there, bro. With the bald head now. That much closer to to Paul Mooney. You said what? (laughs) You gotta take one of them earrings out and just have it on one ear. That's the old. (laughs) Got you. Got you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that'll be that'll be the next phase. That'll be the next phase. Now, you know, uh, Dante, I knew you were gonna say that invisible to who, because that is that is a checkmate of a question. You know, like one of the most po- powerful questions I've ever heard. Um, and uh, you know, too, you had mentioned Jamaica Kincaid earlier. I'd love to know like what book you were referencing there. Um, as we prepare to just talk about like the 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 real care and intention that you have with always making sure to you know support share love for black women that was another like early thing on your page where i was like oh like you know this man's on some on some different so whether it be with your mother or you know uh literary like inspiration whoever like i would just love to hear you speak more on black women and the importance of you know this relationship that that you have with with black women that we all do as black men yeah, uh, to answer your question about the book, it was at the bottom of the river. It's real small, oh, yeah, real small, but it yeah. it was so beautiful. Um, I think black women have always supported me growing up in a really unconditional way. Um, I've always seen their brilliance. I've always seen their fortitude, and I come from a mentality where it's like a little old school, where it's like you don't hit, you know, you don't hit a woman. You see somebody hitting a woman, you intervene, like. So I feel like we should all take that position where we kind of get real militant about our women. Because if I go to, you know, a, a, a Mexican community and I hurt one of their women, I'm, it's a wrap. You know, if I go to any other race and I hurt one of their women as a black man, it's a wrap. So I feel like we need to take that same position to where it's like we not only protect them from outside threats, but we protect them from inside threats, right? Protect them from our own volatility, protect them from uh you know the patriarchal struggle that they're going against right and so it's like their value has if we don't respect them our whole culture don't have any legs to stand on you know and i remember being around other races of men who have disrespected black women i'm like damn how did this dude get so comfortable saying this about a black man it had to come from a black man like he had to learn that from one of us so it's like we have we have a, a, a job to do you know what I'm saying? It's like we have to declare her value every single day, and 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 other other people as well in the community that go by different gender identities. Like nobody should be left behind. You know what I'm saying? Nobody should be thrown by the wayside. So just having that fierce mentality where we protect our women, I feel like it's old school. Some women might not like that because it kind of sounds hotepy, but it's important. You know what I'm saying? Like we had to get real. Uh, Real knuck a few bucks, you know what I'm saying? So, right. No, yeah. I, I, I honestly hate though that it's, and I've done that too a lot, where it's like any certain idea or thought we automatically lump with a group of people in like a negative way, where it's like, yeah. oh, that that's a whole tough thing to think or yeah. say. But it's like, that's that's why we 
disagree about stuff that we shouldn't even because we just ascribe the labels before we even resonate with what was actually said. Because when you really just feel it and you don't label it right away, you realize, oh, protect Black woman. That's not a crazy thing to say. Like, why? why, Right. Like, it shouldn't be at all. So, um, man, but with that, though, you know, I think especially with this book, Rare to Write, Black Boy, in your eyes, what does it take for a Black boy to become a Black man? Damn. That's a good question, bro. I think a sense of responsibility for the community. I think understanding history. I, I'm going to go off what it was for me when I became a Black man. It was uh, understanding my history and my connection to it, being being responsible to my history, to carrying the torch, right? Um, educate, not being arrogant and thinking that my generation got it all or we the first ones to do it, but more so like understanding Black Panthers did this, these folk did this and carrying that torch and studying, right? So I feel like connecting to the past and furthering that. Um, like we said, protecting black women, but not just physically, but like spiritually and emotionally, you know, giving them love in a, in a way that nourishes their spirit and their mind. Being a leader to, to black children, you know, I've been, like I said, a teacher for seven years and and what it takes to uh, to lead these kids, man, is, it takes a lot of patience and, uh, but being able to labor. And I think we're in, we're in a generation that's so microwave now, bro, where like the activism is so microwave, right? It's like, that's why it's all gone to hashtags and shit like that. It's like, nobody knows how to labor with the people. Like no cameras, just I wake up every day and I'm helping these kids. Or I wake up every day and I'm helping these women or these these brothers. Like folks don't do that no more. And so it's like having that I guess, longevity in your spirit to labor with your people. I feel like that's important. And then I think the last thing I would say makes a black boy into a black man is is being able to love yourself regardless of the outside influences. I think so many of us as black men, we compare ourselves so much or we have so much insecurity because of the outside world. And so we try to overcompensate. But knowing that you're enough as a black man, knowing that you are uh, made in the image of God, knowing these things and having a peace within yourself, not comparing yourself, not looking down on yourself, not having negative self-speak. That's also part of it, too, because I think you can't call yourself pro-Black if you're negative to yourself, because that means you, you're embodying white supremacy in your own mind, right? I, I heard this quote that said, uh, imposter syndrome is just internalized white supremacy. And I think that's ex- extremely true. It's like, if you a black man, you claim to be pro-black, that means your, your thoughts towards yourself have to, be, have to be nourishing and positive. Otherwise, you're internalizing white supremacy to yourself. And so it takes a maturity to understand loving myself is my duty, right? Because it's easy to be like, man, I don't got this girl, I don't got this car, I don't got this money. Like, nah, that's, that's boy talk. You know what I'm saying? Like loving yourself at where you at as a black man, knowing you enough, that's, that's man right there. So. I would say those are the things, you know what I'm saying? That's been a journey for me for real to get on that point. But you know, that's the journey you have to embark on if you call yourself pro-black. You cannot hate yourself or have those kind of thoughts if you call yourself pro-black. It's not a thing. 
You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that's what I would say. Wow. No one better to ask, man. That yeah, truly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We're going to uh, transcribe this and send that back to you so you can share that with everybody, bro. <laughs> like, I mean, all your answers for real in the, you know, in the podcast in general, but that one, that one was like crazy. Like, it was off the dome, too. The yeah, exactly. Exactly. Off the dome. exactly. Off the dome. <laughs> covered everything. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, seriously, teacher for real, bro. We, we just so happy and glad and grateful that you could come come on the show, bro. This has been a blessing, like beyond. So, no, for um, real, man. Look, I know that I, I flaked on the earlier one and I'm oh, sorry, I'm late. Yeah. But no, don't worry about that it. This the fact that y'all invited me, man. I value this highly, man. I, I don't. I value y'all time. I really appreciate y'all, man. And y'all, y'all doing the Lord's work for real. So, thank y'all, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Real Ballers Read. You can go ahead and check out Dante's Instagram page at Goldmouth M O U F Book Club. And if you are black, you can give him a follow. It's an amazing page. Uh, We're so excited to have chopped it up with him in this episode, and we will catch you in the next one.